Hi, everyone. I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I got a powerhouse on the show for you. Her name is Jess Glazer. She is a online entrepreneur, a fitness expert, a beautiful soul, and someone I know will, um, you'll just enjoy listening to her story. Jess, thank you so much for coming on and everyone enjoy. So my sister, Jess Glazer, good morning. How are you today? Good, Lucas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Got my coffee, ready to go. Love it. I, my pleasure. And a shout out to Lauren. She is, uh, she's incredible. We got, so everyone listening, Lauren Salon Ward, who was on this podcast early, early on, like maybe episode seven or something like that, wow. um, made the introduction. I'm so glad she did because just going through your website and looking at all your stuff, you're a powerhouse. You're a powerhouse. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. And Lauren is incredible. So anyone, any of, any one of her people is my people. I love it. Thank you. Um, so tell me, you've had quite a cool journey just reading through how you've gotten to where you are today and where you professionally were at even just a few years ago. Tell us, walk us through your, your professional journey. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And I've made a lot of pivots. So as I kind of walk you through the timeline, it sounds really strange. And up until recently, I thought that I was this like epic failure because I had so many different mm. pivots, but basically went to college for my doctorate of physical therapy while I was in grad school, decided it wasn't for me, took a leave of absence, which I actually never went back in the time that I took a leave of absence was just kind of working full time to figure myself, you know, figure out what I was going to be doing. Mm. And that job was just personal training, which I had already been doing for at the time, probably six years or so, uh, went into personal training full time while I was figuring things out, sort of fell into the fashion industry, went to fashion school for a year, worked in the fashion industry in New York city for a year, did not like that at all. And ended up, uh, teaching elementary school phys ed and health, which my parents had sort of highly encouraged me to get a teaching degree to quote fall back on when I was an undergrad. Wow. And so ended up teaching for eight years while I taught, of course, was personal training clients on the side, had started my own little side hustle many times over, got involved with network marketing, tried that, uh, built out like a charitable kind of organization, tried that, and just was always looking to fill my time kind of on the weekends and after school and in summers. And then after eight years teaching and side hustling, left my job. I quit with essentially no plan other than to make it work. And went back into personal training full-time again, uh, really dove kind of headfirst into the fitness industry for a year while I was building out my online health and training kind of programs and, and business there, and then fell into business coaching in 2018. And then by the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, left health and fitness after 18 years of celebrity personal training wow. and went all in on, on business coaching. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. What uh, <laughs> I can see um, just having that background and different types of people and scenarios and from, you know, the day you come out with your uh, book from the run, from the runway to recess, that would be uh, <laughs> uh, a bestseller. Um, but uh, what did you find? Um, because being a business coach, been a coach for a while, 
it helps when you have a breadth of scenarios and understanding human yeah. beings like, you know, and so what was it like, what did you see in the runway in the fashion industry that you thought was alluring, but then once you're in there, how did that not jive with, with you? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I said, I kind of like stumbled upon or fell into the fashion industry. I, never something that I was into growing up. My mom is an artist and uh, I just always made my own clothing and accessories with her. We were always, you know, interior decorating and stuff like that. So I, I have a knack for, for design. And in the time that I was trying to figure myself out when I took a leave of absence for my doctorate program, I was personal training and then I was bartending and, and doing whatever I had to do to make ends meet going out a lot. And so when I would go out, I would wear my own clothing or accessories. And so something that came up forever in my life was like, oh, where did you get that? Oh my God, you made it. You should sell it. And I never really thought it was a thing. And then the gym that I worked at in New Jersey for about a decade, shout out to Spa 23, mom and pop owned. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, They kind of encouraged me. They pushed me. They were like, hey, why don't you set up a booth for the holidays with your purses and, and try to sell them. Cool. And I didn't have any inventory. It wasn't something that I did. I just had the pieces that I wore. So I brought about five different purses or so, put them out on a table, actually recruited my mom to sit with me during the day at the gym and was going to sell the concept, right? I was going to mm-hmm. take orders if people liked what I had. And I thought if someone buys it, cool. If not, that's okay too. And by the end of the day, I had sold about $6,000 worth of orders. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to go make everything. So it was kind of that proof of concept off the prototype. But the way that I work, I'm just a super type A control freak, high achiever, right? Like really Uh, driven. Yeah. So as soon as someone gave me like a dollar for one of the purses, that was it. I was going to go to fashion school. And so I applied to FIT for their accessory design program with the thought that I was going to, I don't know, style in fitness and fashion and kind of blend the two together, which ironically, the day that I was offered my teaching job where I went for eight years, I was also offered a job in Shape Magazine's fitness and fashion editorial. Wow. Uh, kind of, yeah, department, which is what I thought was my dream. Um, but being in the industry, living on my brother's couch for a year, <laughs> it just yeah. wasn't as glamorous as I, as I had thought. I love it. And so what did you tell me about what was teaching like for you in that experience? I love teaching. I mm. still teach every day. I am a teacher, like my mm. core archetype. I am a teacher for sure. Loved my kids. I still do. I'm in touch with all of them. Wow. Um, I did not like the container of my job. So I really enjoyed what I did. I didn't like how I had to do it. Mm. And I felt like there was a really low ceiling figuratively like, and really, you know, there just was this low ceiling. And as I was growing and expanding and learning more and diving more into personal development over the course of, you know, a decade, decade and a half, I just felt interestingly that my kindergartners would grow up to fifth grade, they would graduate, and then they would move on and do these big things with their life. And I was just getting older Mm. in this, you know, small room that was kind of caving in on me. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And yeah, it just got to a point where I was like, I need to be bigger. I need to just expand more. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So as a coach right now and and going through the lockdowns and the pandemic and the politics and, and all the things that people are coming at this, what are you, what are your clients experiencing or what are, 
what are they bringing up to you that you're seeing? Is there a common theme that people are experiencing? Yeah. So I think at the beginning of the pandemic, kind of March, April, a lot of people had fear around, should I sell? Is it okay to sell? Is it insensitive to sell right now? Mm. Once we sort of got over that hump with the belief that I have of it's our responsibility, right? Because as coaches, we're giving a service that people actually need more now than ever. Yeah. A lot of my clients are health and wellness, mental health, therapy, relationship coaches. Like these are things that people need and are craving community, right? The other thing was, in my belief, we need to spend money, right? We have to stimulate the economy. And if you need to spend money, you need to make money. So we kind of worked through this fear and uncertainty around that. Once we were able to get over that hump, which was the common thread, almost all of my clients had their biggest month to date in April, as did I. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Were yeah. people like you, we talked to you, are you still living, uh, is your permanent residence in New York city? It is. So while we're recording this podcast, my husband and I escaped and came down to visit my brother in North Carolina, but we, uh, we have been up in, in New York the whole time in our apartment. Yeah. What is, what's the, what's the feeling there? Are people, <sighs> is it, yeah. What, it's what, intense. It's intense. Yeah. 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 From our, from my experience, it's, it's two things, right? There's, there's two sides. It's so beautiful at seven o'clock when the entire city just explodes into cheers and rumbles Mm -hmm. and you can feel the energy, but all of the other time during the day, it's a bit of a heavier energy and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're hit certainly one of the harder places in the country. Um, It's very tight. So things are closed. Everybody has a mask. I mean, I know that's where a lot of places look like, but this is on a different level and it's very empty for New York yet. It's still really crowded. Um, but there is a very weird, creepy, eerie heaviness to when you walk around. It's not really pleasant to be walking Mm. around, to be honest, Mm. the cops aren't really out. So you just see things that maybe you don't want to normally see and you're Mm. kind of stuck in your apartment. So yeah, Yeah. we, after 11 weeks kind of rented a car and escaped that's, for a little while. That's great. Yeah. And what, what's, um, how's it feel being out of the city and then in New, in North Carolina where you are? I mean, that's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a big change. And my brother yeah. and his wife live in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. You can't see a house anywhere. So it's been really nice to connect back to nature and just kind of slow down a little bit, mm. which was my intention for this year anyway, was slowing down to speed up. And so it's been really nice to kind of just like come back to center. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. when you're, what, how do you work with your clients and for everyone listening where, you know, we have it runs the gamut of who listens to this podcast, but a lot of people that are really into personal development, self, self-help or, or spiritual growth and a different component. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is it that you're teaching or how do you frame up the positive or the right mental attitude to go forward every day? How, how are you working with your clients? Yeah. So interestingly, all the programs that I run have a mindset coach in them. So part of my staff, there's a mindset coach that comes on biweekly and does work, does calls with everybody. He's there to access at any point if you need, um, because I know that it is such an important part of being an entrepreneur. And I myself really started the whole journey of personal development in the early 2000s, I was working through an eating disorder. And so I had struggled for about 10 years with an eating disorder, checked myself into an outpatient program. And that's when I was first introduced to kind of the world of personal development. And um, yeah, I just, I know that the holes and the leaks that are in your business are actually just a reflection of what's actually going on 
100 percent. <laughs> yeah. My I um talked about it before, but I so my background as a TV reporter and journalist, and I was on air all over different markets across the country, and then came back to Seattle as a reporter at uh, the ABC affiliate, and um, just it, I was tired of covering depressing stories and really sad sad things. So I had this idea to start a business. And so I started um, a business, a marketing and, and media company, and it grew. We grew it to seven figures over the years and we grew a nice staff. But it never outgrew my, per, my emotional health. And yeah. I was not about emotional health back then. What I was about is grinding it for the revenue dollar. And I was just solely focused and <clears throat> I had collapsed twice, gone to the hospital in an ambulance. I... Yeah. Um, I got really sick, but I, it was all physically manifesting my emotional state. And it yeah. wasn't until 2016 when I couldn't do it any longer. I couldn't outrun the pain that I had to start facing all the pain, which then reflected my business healed, changed, transformed, grew even further. But it was a huge wake up. I had been working so hard to grow on the external and all the time, it wasn't until I healed on the internal that the external reflected that. So that's- Isn't that interesting? I, I, I wish it wasn't as common as it is, but that's actually my journey as well. So everything from mm. even the eating disorder, like walking in and checking myself into an outpatient program was, it wasn't necessarily that I was ready to ask for help. The pain and the discomfort was so bad. And then when I left my job teaching- on a different end, you know, people are like, Oh, you're so brave. You just quit your job. And you, ha I was tenured and I had benefits and all the things. I just was so uncomfortable. The pain was so bad. I couldn't do it anymore. And then last year I actually went through burnout as well, hitting that seven figure mark yeah. going from, you know, multiple six to seven figures. Yep. And that manifested in uh, sciatica and then a breast cancer scare. And so the pain was so bad and I was so uncomfortable that this year I had to pull back um, and really ask myself kind of like, what is it all for? What is, you know, really like, mm. and then this quarantine has happened where it's been another mirror to just hold up and say like, Hey, remember you're supposed to slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, in the, for me, when I was chasing that number and, and we grew, we had clients all over North America. I mean, we were really, I was pushing hard and I was really harsh on my employees, which I've reconciled with many of them because I, I had a, a poster up that said, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do and do it and, and have to or get to hashtag perspective. I mean, I was like, because I was grinding, saddling up every day and getting back out there. I was expecting them and, and um, had to learn some really hard lessons. However, I realized though, once I started going through my own health, that the posture of like trying to grab is really keeping things at that distance from me. And I, mm -hmm. people that are listening, my arms, my arms are out. If I'm always trying to reach for something, it's almost an equal distance from the length of my arm to what I want keeps getting pushed away versus receiving and surrendering and finally creating that posture of, okay. And drawing it towards me yep. is, has been radically life altering difference of surrendering versus striving 
Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, how, does that resonate or have you, I mean, talk about slowing oh, yeah. down. It really creates that like, okay, here we go. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I wear, I have a bracelet on every year that I have like a word or kind of a theme, a mantra or whatever. And mm. this year's word is actually expand. And the, the concept there was exactly that because we're always moving the finish line. Yeah. And like this stuff is so cliche, right? But where you are, like, there you are, right? Like we're, yes, <laughs> so yes. the whole concept of moving the finish line, which again, a lot of listeners I'm sure are high achievers and they wouldn't be listening if they weren't into growth and they weren't trying to better themselves. But at a point when you continuously move the finish line, you're just, you're never content with where you actually are and you're missing the whole journey, <laughs> which again, right. it's really cliche, cliche, right? Like it's yeah. enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey. But really like, it is the, the journey. <laughs> this is the journey. The whole thing's the journey. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, by the way, I got it. chills. My word for this year is expand as well. I have a word every single year. Yeah, it's the word expand. Last year, my word was receive, and this year, is the word is expand. So you and That's I are- so funny. Yeah, very, very similar uh, on the same wavelength. You know what's interesting is, or I think what's interesting about goals and vision there's so many different starting points. Like you were talking about everyone, you know, is at a different phase for some people. They need to, to hold tight to a vision for their mm-hmm. lives. They, they're maybe scared to step into like, well, this is what I really want to do because childhood trauma or bullies at a young age said, you know, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me or, or, you know, you'll never amount to anything. So some people just have a hard time stepping into vision Mm-hmm. where other people um, might be at a different stage where they have a vision, but they don't have the, the tools or support system around there to actually walk towards that vision. And then some people like us sound like are just running, <laughs> ready to yeah, just grinding towards that vision. And someone needs to come alongside and say, it is the journey. It, it is, yeah. it is. It is the journey. It is. I, I hated when people told me that in business. They're like, oh, enjoy yep. the journey. It's not the day. I'm like, you shut up. You're already successful. You don't know. Like, like don't yeah. tell me. And yeah. um, it is the journey. It, is the, it journey. is the journey. And I think there's a dance that you have to start to master. I don't believe in balance. So I think that there's a dance mm-hmm. between having the goal and the vision and then also detaching from it. Yes. Like, which I do with clients and myself. So whether it's a revenue goal or a number of how many people I want to put into a cohort of a, you know, a course I'm running, it's like you need to know where you want to go, but at the same time you have to be completely detached from if it does or does not happen. Otherwise you have an expectation hangover, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. And how many yeah. times has that kept people from trying again, just like yeah. things not working out and then not even trying? Yeah. Um, tell me about, so- one of the things I love your website. I love your logo. Like you, you. We, all the people that we have on, um, every week, um, your site is very clean and I love if everyone listening, when you, I'll put the, I'll put Jess's, um, website in the show notes so you can definitely go connect with her, but she has some really fun things like fun facts. And I <laughs> laughed this morning. I'm like, this is great. Chocolate coffee and French fries are my love language. So that's uh, Hey, there you go. There you go. I got um, the coffee. <laughs> so how can people work with you when, when they engage and because you. Yeah. Yeah. You I have, have a couple different 
Thank you. I have a couple different programs. I have a couple different ways to work with me. Um, the most common one would probably be Empower University, which is my signature 90-day business coaching program where I help. It's really taking like the entrepreneur, or solopreneur, or side hustler and starting them from the bottom and building their business up. It's all the foundational stuff you need to build a business. We have, like I said, a mindset coach on staff. We also have a lawyer on staff, an accountant on staff. Like we make sure that we kind of have everything that you need so that when you graduate after the 90 days, your business is not only up and running, but you're actually working with clients and you're in your course or program that you've created. So that's our mm. most popular, um, definitely our most popular program. I have a, a secondary kind of higher level mastermind for people who are already doing multiple six figures um, and then one-on-one -on -one coaching. But I'm mostly on Instagram. So I love that you actually looked at my website. To be honest, it's under construction right now. So I'm oh, a little, really? oh, <laughs> a little well. nervous. It's great. Well, if it's only going to be better than this, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm on Instagram. I I'm there all day. That's my main spot. What, tell me um, some of the people that you've worked with um, and you've seen their growth and what, what their field of influence is. You said like yeah. mental health providers or. Yeah. Know. So I've kind of worked, I've worked with a ton of different industries. My Biggest thing that I'm teaching is course creation. So I can help anyone in any sort of business, brick and mortar, whatever that might look like, membership site. But I really focus a lot on higher ticket course creation. I feel that's just where there's a lot of impact. There's a lot of income. There's just a lot of opportunity. Um, and so with that, majority of the clients I work with have come from health and fitness, just because that is my background. 18 years as a trainer, you know, phys ed teacher, like that's just my bubble. Right. However, I have worked with real estate agents, makeup artists, um, accountants. We've worked with home organizers, interior decorators, architect, uh, architect, who else have we worked with? We've worked with a ton of different people. Cool. Um, anyone really can create a course on anything. I, I'll never forget. I was at a summit about two years ago, I use a platform called Kajabi, which is just like really great for course creation, website hosting, email. And they had a couple of the different millionaires up on stage talking about their businesses. And one of the women, she had done like, I don't know, two, three million in sales that year in revenue. She was teaching people how to train their cats, how to use the toilet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And another wow. woman had uh, like Christmas tree ornament, you know, making. And so truly everyone has something they can teach. And if you're creating a course, it could be on anything, anything. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And the framework is, is the same behind it, no matter what you're teaching. Well, this, uh, this is fascinating. So I'm going to, when, when we're done with this, I want to talk to you about course creating and, and um, different things. What tell for people, you have a 90 day course you have what, what would be if someone's listening and they want to um, create a course or sign up for your course, what, what does that entail? Like creating yeah. a course, what, what goes into that? So the biggest thing with course creation, the way that I teach it, of course, there are many different, you know, ways to teach it. Yeah. Do not create anything unless you sell it. So we don't actually make anything until we sell it. Now, the interesting thing is if we go all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, when I had laid those purses out on the table and brought them to the gym and said, if I sell one, cool. If I don't, that's okay too. It's the exact same concept. So you have a prototype, you have something where you're creating an irresistible offer around the course. Mm. You're telling people where you can take them right from point A where they are to point B where they want to go. And you kind of tell them a little bit about how you're going to do that, but you don't necessarily have the videos done and the PDFs done and all the different things because I have found that 
<laughs> when you do that, most often people don't necessarily bite. And then you've spent a lot of time and energy, potentially money, creating something that people don't actually want. So humans, we have ego, right? And so we think that people want what we have, but really we don't, we don't listen as well as we need to. And so oftentimes what we create is actually for ourselves or for what we think people want rather than what they actually want or need. So the biggest mistake I see is people going and creating it and then trying to sell it. So the way that we teach it is we actually create this beautiful irresistible offer. We have a really clear understanding for those of you who are freaking out right now, like, how can I sell something that doesn't exist? Yeah, yeah. So you, <laughs> you, you know what's going to be inside the course, but we mm. don't actually have you build it until someone pays for it. As soon as the first person pays for it, you start to create it. You stay about a week or two ahead of them. The first time you go through your course, it's considered live because you are creating it as you go. And that allows you to really use the feedback from your client to help navigate the direction and the speed while you thought you had it all planned out. It might not actually be that way. And so you have to be really okay with being flexible and malleable and detaching from the outcome like we talked about and knowing that just because you wanted it to go left, they might actually need it to go right. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing I see with course creation. Don't make anything until someone buys it. That's that's wild. That, yeah. that, that, that's really, scary. <laughs> that's such a good point. And the, because if like I have put out a lot of stuff that sometimes people don't bite on, then I put a lot of energy and effort in. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's really good. Yeah. And then it stings too, right? Like you're like, well, this didn't work or right. nobody wants it or this industry doesn't work or I can't be a coach or whatever that looks like the story you make up because you didn't get the result you expected powerful. Yeah. Um, deviating from business real quick and just talking about your, your life growing up and your upbringing. Tell me about your life as a child and, and what led to um, the eating disorder and what led to some of that stuff that you've overcome that you bring into your business. Yeah. I had an incredible life. I'm very, very fortunate to say that. My parents are still married. They're happy. My brother and I are best friends. You know, I'm staying at his house right now. Mm. We've always been close, never had a fight in our life. Um, grew up very, you know, like middle class, upper middle class in New Jersey, just very picture book childhood, very fortunate growing up. Um, I was a highly competitive gymnast, high level competitive gymnast. By the mm. age of seven or eight, I was doing about 20 hours a week in the gym. By middle school, I was doing 30 or more. Wow. In the summer, I was doing double sessions. By the age of 12, I was training in France. Um, so just wow. a high level gymnast. That was not the reason for my eating disorder. I, I can't blame it on anything. I think mm. it was just always inside of me. Very much like a perfectionist, now a recovering perfectionist and just praised on on my achievements and yeah. you know my parents yeah. my parents are incredible and they did the best that they they could but now looking back after doing a lot of work i think i thrive on affirmation hmm. not because i didn't get it but because that's how i understand love because i did get it and so um also being the younger oh, sister good. yeah my brother kind of was you know he paved the path he got into trouble he made some bad choices he maybe didn't get the best grades and so i just did everything i could to to make sure I did everything right. And so I think it was a self-induced perfectionism of just like external validity and, and whatever mm -hmm. that would look like. And I do think that gymnastics had a small part to play. I mean, in the eighties and early nineties, we were getting weighed in. Um, it was a different, you know, it was a different time. I mean, the sport hasn't changed. It's yeah. only gotten more difficult and more competitive, but 
um, just a pressure, my own pressure to look a certain way, but certainly no sort of like known childhood trauma. It was quite the opposite. I, I very grateful. I had an incredible upbringing. Um, That's beautiful. Well, yeah, you, what did you, what did you learn about yourself when you healed or worked on that eating disorder? Like what, what did you find? Yeah. So I think the day that I stepped into inpatient, I'm sorry, outpatient therapy was in 2004, 2003, 2004. So we're looking at 16, 17 years ago. And I think I still work on it every day. I don't think I'm healed. I don't know that it ever goes away. I think it manifests in other areas. So then my obsession and kind of addictive personality maybe went towards business and just like constantly working on the business. So checking myself and just kind of noticing patterns and being more aware of like when they start to come up and then also the symptoms. So things like um, not being able to kind of shut my brain off or constantly working or filling my time with more, adding more to my plate. Like I love to have my plate really, really full. Um, And so when I start to see things like maybe relationships, friendships start to take a backseat or it always comes up for me in hip and back pain. So once I start to have Mm. like back pain and everything, I'm like, okay, I know what's actually happening right now. And just kind of checking in. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. That, um, I talk a lot about the book, the body keeps the score, which deals with a lot of childhood stuff, but it's such a great reminder. Our body tells us, Hey, slow down. Or, you know, so the fact that you're listening to your body and know that it's a signal that's powerful. Yeah. I think also just leaning into it, right? And as I've gotten older, becoming more interested in it and like, let me learn about it. So I'm actually reading The Emotion Code right now, which is all about trapped emotion. Cool. Um, Great book. But like leaning into it, like let me learn more about it versus let me ignore it and pretend it's not there. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Um, So how, we talked about your website and Instagram, but where can people find you? How can they connect with you and follow you? And and all the good things. Yeah, definitely, definitely Instagram at Jess.Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. Shoot me a DM, say hi, connect with me there. Um, Empower University, that signature course is opening again. We actually moved our summer cohort up about a month and a half because of the pandemic. People were really looking for some guidance and support. We sold it out in just a couple moments and then uh, decided to open actually a second class for a summer class. So we're doing, usually we do one a season. So we're actually going to be doing two for summer it's open right now and they start July one. Wow. Yeah. And that's, yeah. how, that's a 90 day course to build, build someone's course out and how to sell it and the whole yes. thing, get them set up. The whole cool. thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, everyone listening, make sure you go check out Jess. I'll put her website no, and Instagram. We do, we do the whole thing. Oh, beautiful. Well, yeah. I'll make sure I put everything in the show notes and I'm honored to have you on. So such a pleasure and and uh, I wish you nothing but the absolute best. You're you're thank a you. Thank soul. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wait, I have a question for you. Oh, lay it on me. Yes, yes. Yeah, so like chocolate, coffee, and french fries are my love language. What would be your food of choice if you were on like, you know, the last meal? Mm, good, good. <laughs> good. Well, if it would be the last meal and I wouldn't care like the effects of me, I'm like <laughs> me some donuts and uh no. Yes. Um I it, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were, we were sitting the other night. There was some um, personality test on Instagram that someone posted, like the four types, but it was about coffee. And it said, um, if your husband comes to you and gives you coffee, what would make him um, feel most loved? Telling him this coffee is amazing. Um, him saying, I made you coffee or, or I brought you coffee. Um, 
three, let's go out and get coffee or four, um, let's sit down and drink coffee together. And I told her we were laughing because I would feel most loved. If she said, this coffee is amazing. <laughs> oh, see affirmation. I'm, I'm totally words of affirmation. And we were <laughs> laughing like this coffee is amazing versus, uh, I don't know, spending time. But if I had a last, um, last meal, I definitely would go steak, a really good steak and a good whiskey to pair with that. And, uh, there you go. Yeah, and get after it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Sis, awesome. Thank I love you. It. You're so awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a good one. Well, as always, Jess, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation and your journey is inspiring. I wish you nothing but absolute blessings upon blessings on your continued success. And everyone listening, you get to find your own journey and go first. What Jess has done, what I have gone through, what others are going through, and I know you're going through right now, is to continually search inside yourself. Look inside. Allow love and light inside you. Ask for love and light to fill you. Do the inner work so that your outer reality matches your inner, inner peace. Thank you so much for joining this podcast and joining me on this journey. We got much more to do. The world is under the law of love. And I'm incredibly excited to keep walking with you and sharing that message. My name is Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. I'll talk to you on the next episode. <laughs>